The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister. The Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. And today we are in our third week of the book, The Eye of the Storm. I'm teaching the book, The Eye of the Storm, The Eye with a Capital I, uh, written by the Unity Minister, Gary Simmons. And uh, it's a powerful book. The book basically functions or was written to help us embrace conflict and create peace by knowing how to function from our authentic spiritual selves instead of the reactionary uh, ego, personality, beliefs, and all the other things that go into our conscious and subconscious minds. But anyway, my request is for everyone to get this book that follows this series. There's no way I could cover every point. Literally, as I was preparing last night for the show, I kept thinking, wow, I could literally teach this book for a year. To, I mean, to really do it justice. Literally 52 weeks. Because I really believe so strongly in the material that's in the book. Because many people uh, who I engage with in ministry and classes and you know after sermons, workshops... They're all seeking to know how to deal with the everyday, quote-unquote, life uh, from a spiritual perspective. And I think that this book does that well. So make sure that you get the book, read along with it, and do the work. Every chapter has questions at the end of them called awarepy, which is awareness therapy. And they're questions to make you think, to help uncover some subconscious beliefs to help you deal with things that you are not conscious of that might be and probably are driving perceptions and behaviors. So this book really helps people, in my opinion, get to the core of transformation. And that's why I think it's really important to get it. I mean, I don't know the author personally. I've met him once. He'll be on the show once I finish teaching all of the chapters. Um, so I'm not getting anything from promoting this book. I believe in the work, and I believe anybody that does work that's worthy of praise 
should have it praised. And this book is worthy of praise because I believe that it really helps define the term practical Christianity, as Charles Fillmore wrote about years ago. And I'm not saying that the author calls it that, but that was Charles Fillmore's way of saying we take the principles of uh, and, uh, and then we help you practically demonstrate them in your life. Anyway, so we're on chapter two. And chapter two, by definition, is one of those chapters where there's no way I'll be able to cover all of the material in this chapter. But it's the core chapter of the book. You get this chapter, you get the book. Now, the book will continue to expound on the principles. But this is the core of the book. The name of the chapter is The Eye of the Storm. So to let you know that he's putting the crux of the principles in this chapter. The subtitle is A New Paradigm for Wholeness. So he goes on to say on page 21, in a spiritual context, wholeness is the energy of communion, principle, purpose, and non-resistance, ideas that I will expand upon later, which means he's going to have in upcoming chapters, he's going to explain that in more detail. Then he goes on to say, wholeness is not outside of you, nor is it separate from you. It is the essence of your true nature and spiritual identity. So, in other words, wholeness is not something that I can find in any person, place, or thing. Wholeness is inside of me. Wholeness is in my very true nature. It is in my spiritual identity. It is in my image likeness of God's self. It is in my spiritual self. It is in my I am identity. Wholeness is not separate separate from me or you. It's within our spiritual nature. And he goes on to say, because wholeness is the foundation of your being, nothing can oppose you. Now, I love that. Wholeness is the foundation, the core of my being, the beginning of my being, that which supports everything else. Therefore, nothing can oppose me. All right. Now, and then I love the next paragraph when he says, I will help you see that what arises as an adversary in your life comes from within you. Mm. From within. Okay. You, you know, now it might show up as person, place, or thing, but it's, but a lot of that is meaning, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. He said, seeing this is not a bad thing. It is important you know how you are creating resistance and tension in your life. It's important to see the relationship between thoughts of fear and lack and how they manifest themselves as experiences, appearing as if someone or something is against you. So what he's saying is when we have unresolved issues in the soul, they have the tendency to manifest as experiences, manifest as something that is, appears to be against us, but it's really not. It's only the lessons that we learn. All right. Okay. So he goes on where he says a further few lines down, you cannot experience inner peace when you are worried that something isn't right with your world. See, part of it is knowing that peace is not dependent on what people do or don't do. Peace is not it within you. Now, you again, you're not controlling other people. We're talking about your peace. We're talking about my peace. We're talking about our peace as individuals. 
if you try to control other people and your peace is dependent on them, you will never have peace. Because there's always going to be someone who sees something differently, is going to do something that you don't agree with, going to function in a way that you don't like. So peace can't be dependent on what other people do. And sometimes we put ourselves in positions where we make decisions that are not for the best and we create our own conflict. All right. Uh, if, if you're a boss and, for instance, uh, you put somebody in a job or a position that does not allow them to uh, really work within their skill set or their experience, then you create drama for yourself because now you have to babysit that person. You know, so sometimes we're creating our own drama just by the the choices we make. And and then what ends up happening, (laughs) which this is funny, we validate ourselves and our worth based upon us having to address problems we created. Just a thought. All right. So he goes on to say on page 22, as students of truth, we must eventually reconcile ourselves to the principle that there is no force of the universe which opposes the life each of us is meant to live. There is nothing in the universe opposing the life I'm supposed to live. So who's getting in the way? Me. Who's getting in the way? And it might be people who have different beliefs and, and things of that nature that function in the world. I'm not saying that prejudice doesn't exist. I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist. I'm not saying that sexism doesn't exist. I'm not saying that homophobia doesn't exist. I'm not saying, you know, classism, you know, like caste systems and all of those type of things. But that's not a force. That's not a power in the universe. That's something that can be changed. What he keeps saying is there's no power in the universe against us living the life we're meant to live. He goes on to say it in the next paragraph so beautifully. While the world is truly a place of opposites and competing tensions. Ah, see, that's the key. While the world is truly a place of opposites and competing tensions, these forces are not a power over us. That's the key. They're not a power over us. You can't say one presence, one power, and then start affirming that there's other powers. He says conflicts, challenges, and interpersonal difficulties are dynamic energies within which we can move authentically and appropriately so long as we remember that these forces aren't against us. There's something to be addressed. It's not against my sole purpose. It's something to be addressed. It's not against my sole purpose. These conflicts, this drama, whatever. It gives me an opportunity to be authentically the truth in it. Now, will I choose to be authentic truth in that experience? Or will I lean on my biases, my prejudices, my likes, my dislikes, my own ego and personality mess? Or will I show up saying, How would a God-conscious person function in this experience? You know, they used to say that in in the 90s, it was a thing that T-shirts and wristbands and all type of stuff was, what would Jesus do? 
And that was a way of pulling people back to this concept of, of what would divinity, what would this God or Christ consciousness do? How can I move authentically? How can I move spiritually in this experience? Moving on. So he goes on to say, Conflict, page 22, conflict and interpersonal difficulties are like a storm system that arises when two weather fronts converge. There's displacement, movement, and friction. The forces within the system build an intensity as temperature, dew point, wind velocity, barometric pressure, jet streams, humidity, and landscape combine to form a distinct rotation of of influence. A hurricane is born. So he's explaining all of the different things that create a hurricane. Then he says, similarly, Competing needs, wants, and values. And I want you to forget that. Competing needs, wants, and values combined with misperception, defensiveness, and the need to be right create an energetic field of influence that is the storm inherent in interpersonal conflict. So what he's saying is when you see conflict, you're seeing competing needs, wants, and values combined with misperception, defensiveness, and the need to be right. Now go back and if you go back and play in your life or you start looking at the uh, the, the politics of whatever nation you are, you are in as you're listening to this podcast live or later when it gets downloaded on iTunes, Stitcher, or on the website, start to look at competing needs, wants, and values misperception, defensiveness, and the need to be right. See where they show up. When you're having conflict with with others in your space, whether that's work, whether that's family, whether that's with uh, your spouse or significant other, see where competing needs, wants, and values show up combined with misperception, defensiveness, and the need to be right. Just play with it. So he goes on to say in uh, uh, on page 23, the eye of the storm is your wholeness and spiritual essence. Just like the eye of a hurricane is still and calm, while storm, while winds all around it and storms all around it, you can be the eye of your storm. But the eye is not E Y E; it's the capital I. The I am. You can be at peace even though things are going on around you. He goes on to say, "It is where you can experience the storm without resisting it." At the circumference of the storm, the winds of confusion, blame, and need, and the need to be right blow with devastating ferocity. The center, the eye of the storm, is where you experience peace, clarity, stillness, and calm. Peace, clarity, stillness, and calm. Could you use a little bit more peace, clarity, stillness, and calm? In your soul? He says, if there's a storm in your life, you can know that you and your wholeness are at the center of it. It doesn't make a difference what's going on. At the center of this drama and this trauma is my wholeness. And I'm at peace. That aspect of me is unchanged, unmoved. I can be in the hospital bed and there's an aspect of me that can say I am well. I can have two cents in my pocket and it's an aspect of me that can affirm without a doubt I am prosperous. Not because of what's in my pocket, but because at the center of 
the appearance of being broke is the substance of God. He goes on to say, knowing this, you can stop resisting or making wrong those who seem to be against you. You can instead shift. That's the word shift, shift your what attention and awareness, shift your attention and awareness. And you can experience the conflict from the center where you are capable of authentic and principled action. So, in other words, you still got to deal with the conflict. But now you're doing it from you're taking authentic and principled centered action versus being taking uh, egoic uh, actions. In other words, you're just responding to what's coming up from your emotions, from uh, misperceptions, as he said, defensiveness and the need to be right. So you can always take authentic action when you're coming from your spiritual nature. One of the things we teach at, at uh, in the Universal Foundation for Better Living under the law of demonstration is that we have a responsibility as a child of God. And, and those responsibilities are right thinking, right feelings, right words, right actions, right reactions. What it's saying is, no matter what, take authentic action. You know, what is what is right? Right is in alignment with principle. So pr- principle is is the is the underlying truth, the absolute truth of God and yourself. So is my thinking, feeling, words, actions, and reactions in alignment with truth? That's how I take principle-centered action. I really want that to land. That's how I, you, me, we take principle-centered action. So we're coming up on our first break, so I want to remind you that this show, along with all the other shows, are supported by your donations. So as you freely give, please freely receive. Go to www.unity.fm, click on the donate button, and help support this online ministry. I want to remind you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Please go on and like the page if you're on Facebook and share it with others. Like the post, share the post. You know, I try to put good stuff on there to help support your weekly process between shows. And um, that's an important part of what we do. Also, if you want to call in and ask a question or make a comment, you can call in to 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. So we're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Ever 
ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right, I am back teaching the book, The Eye of the Storm by Gary Simmons. I'm on page 24, bottom of the page. He writes, nothing is against us. Well, excuse me. First, he says, uh, we must remember that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Nothing is against us. When we find ourselves in conflict, we need to examine how it is possible that we have created an adversary when the entire universe conspires to fulfill itself through us. Now, that is a very powerful statement. The entire universe conspires to fulfill itself through us. It's a divine cosmic conspiracy for me to express the goodness of God. And so why am I being distracted dealing with nonsense that interferes with me fulfilling my divine assignment? I'm here to I'm here so God can show out. Let's think about how that feels. Just wear that for uh, for today. I'm here so God can show out. Show all this goodness, all this health and peace and love and prosperity and understanding and wisdom. I'm here so God can show out. Just think about that. Again, I want to remind you that if you want to call in and ask a question, you can call in to 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. All right, back to the book, page 25. He writes, we have a choice in how we interpret our life experiences. Oh, we have a choice. We have a choice in how we interpret our life experiences. Perhaps this is our major contribution to the quality of our lives. Our explanations, assumptions, and judgments mediate how we relate to any given situation. Ooh, we'll read that again because that's powerful. Our explanations, this is what's going on in our own heads, nothing else. 
our explanations, assumptions, and judgments mediate how we relate to any given situation. We have to really sit there and have to own that. This is when it means, when uh, Jack Canfield says in the success principles, we have to take 100% responsibility for our lives. So he says, this poignant observation led me to the following realization. And this is where the rubber hits the road. He wrote, I make my life mean what it means. I make my life mean what it means. If you can get that statement and really the essence of what it's saying, you can be free. I make my life mean what it means. That's how powerful I am. That's how powerful you are. We can we give meaning to our own lives. He says the way I choose to relate to my experience is what my experience becomes. In the book of Genesis, uh, in the Garden of Eden, the allegory states that the Lord God brought to Adam all the animals and whatever Adam named them, that's what they were. Metaphysically, this symbolizes the thinking faculty naming naming the ideas and concepts and thoughts uh, in consciousness. And whatever name they have, that is the nature that they have. So realize when you name a thing, you also give it a nature to experience, express in your experience. Reverend Coleman used to tell us, call it good. Call it good. It doesn't make a difference. Call it good. Not because it is necessarily inherently good. In other words, this quote unquote negative experience. What she was trying to say is you have to learn to call forth the goodness in the apparent physical challenge, in the seeming lack of money, in the discord in the family. You have to see beyond what's happening and see the God that is present. Now, is that always easy? I'm not going to say that it is, no. It takes training. It takes a shift of perception, and it takes a lot of practice because it's no different. I told uh, some people yesterday when we were teaching a noonday lesson here at Christ Universal Temple with a daily inspiration that I know as a minister I tend to lean on my own experience, my own education, my own uh, uh, belief systems more than I lean on the still small voice within me. And I said, and I do this 24 seven. Now I, I use that example to remind the people that it's only as good as you use. So if, if we really believe that learning to listen to the whisperings of the still small voice will ensure that we're guided in the right action, that means we actually have to get still quiet ourselves, center ourselves and learn to listen to that inner guidance, that inner compass, however it relates to you. It's your true nature. It's an aspect of you there to help you navigate life. It's no different than the GPS on your phone. You say, this is where I want to go. And it gives you uh, different routes to get there. You know, some have more congestion than others. Like on my iPhone, it tells me this where the traffic is. If I choose to avoid it. Now, 
life isn't against us, but there are things that we work through as we are seeking to achieve certain goals. In other words, get to certain destinations. And the internal navigation system is there to help us get to where we need to get to in the most, in, in the best way with the less, with the least amount of traffic for us to get to our good. Now, sometimes the best route is the one with the most traffic. And that means that it's possible lessons and blessings that you need to get while you're going through that experience. But that doesn't mean that, that you have to go through a negative experience. I don't want that to be misinterpreted. But what I'm saying is the lessons that you get out of it could be highly beneficial. Uh, you know, out of some of our seeming challenges, we've grown sometimes the most. I don't think we have to have challenges to grow. But as Charles Fillmore said, um, just like you don't have to go through a muddy swamp to appreciate a beautiful city, you don't have to have bad experiences to appreciate appreciate good. He says, but it seems to be that's the way we like it. <clears throat> Again, that's a choice. It seems to be the way we want to do it. Because we can just learn from hard experience or go to spirit. We can go to omniscience, all the wisdom or intelligence in the universe. Our choice. Back to the book. I make my life mean what it means. The way I choose to relate to my experience is what my experience becomes. Mm. In other words, I control the quality of my experience by the way I think, the way I perceive it, the context in which I see it, the paradigm in which I live. So the next paragraph is what I see is what I get. All right, moving down to the bottom of the page. We project onto events and circumstances, meaning and relevance. That's, again, talking about the same thing. A situation happens, and somewhere in the mind it's saying, what does this mean? You know, that's one of the first questions we ask. We might not consciously ask that question, but it happens every time we encounter anything and anyone. A person walks past. They didn't speak to me. What does that mean? I can make it mean that they people walk past me all the time. They don't speak. People are rude. I can take it to mean that that person didn't value me. I can take it to mean, well, that person just didn't see me. I can take it to mean I really don't care what people think and do. That has nothing to do with my wholeness. It's my meaning. It's my meaning. Now, here's the thing. We build stories around the meaning that we give and project onto events and circumstance. And we give it relevance through our meaning. Some things are important, some things aren't. Some people are important, some people aren't. Some situations mean more to us than others. And in all actuality, that's the meaning and relevance we gave it. Totally. Really get that. There's nothing in my life that means anything. There is nothing in my life that means anything. I give everything in my life meaning and relevance. 
There is nothing in my life that has meaning. I give everything in my life meaning and relevance. Now, that does not mean that you live a life uh, of uh, detachment, like, you know, with a stoic personality. It just means that you're conscious that you give meaning to things. That's all. You know, Eckhart Tolle um, talks about that in one of his books where he says um, the difference between um, taking authentic action and complaining. When he mentions that, you know, it's one thing for you to get cold soup at, the, at a restaurant and say, excuse me, waitress, my my soup is cold. It's not as hot as I would like it. You know, I would like you to, you know, either reheat it or I would like some new fresh hot soup. It's another thing to take on. What type of restaurant would serve a person's soup that's not hot? And then start making a story about the owner, about the chef, about the employees, about the building, start telling everybody about the hot, cold soup, et cetera, et cetera. That one is complaining. One is taking authentic action. Now, you might choose not to go back to the restaurant, and you can say, well, I didn't go back because I didn't like their service. Okay, got it. But when you start making a big story around it, that's just meaning and relevance. It's not authentic action. All right. He goes on to say, next paragraph, this invisible realm of meaning and relevance is what we bring to each event horizon. It may seem that we are innocent bystanders and that life life happens to us, but it only appears this way. Life happens through us. What we make any situation make Excuse me, what we make of any situation makes it seem as if the situation exists independently of our influence. That's just a perception illusion. Life happens through us. Why? Because I give meaning to everything in my life. Nothing in my life has any meaning. You know, in, in the Course of Miracles, they talk, They have an exercise where they have you look around. They said, look at the door, look at the window, look at the blind, uh, blinds or whatever, the curtains. Look at that pencil. Look at your desk. Look at the seat you're sitting in. And you basically say, you know, that phone means nothing. I give it all the meaning that it has. That chair means nothing. I give it all the meaning that it has. And the reason why I, I love that, that exercise is, is it reminds me of a commercial I saw, a beer commercial from about 10 or 15 years ago. I think it's about 15 years ago now, where they had some, um, a plane was fi- flying over an island with the aborigines of whatever the island it p- was supposed to be. And a beer keg falls out of the sky, whatever the type of beer it was. And when the natives saw it falling and land on the beach, because they didn't know it was a beer keg, they didn't know that it was alcohol inside the keg. They uh, made the keg a god. They put branches on it. They painted a face on it, and they bowed and worshipped it because it came from, from their point of view, the heavens. So they made a beer keg god. That's meaning. That's meaning. Complete meaning. Now, we make Sometimes people in our lives are pseudo gods. What do I mean? You know, we can't be functional if they don't feel a certain way or, you know, et cetera. As I tell people, people compliment you. Nobody completes you. 
You know, so if somebody leaves, you're still whole. But but if you think you're not functional without, you know, a, a, a certain job, a certain position, certain prestige, fame, without certain people, without certain recognition, then you're then you're really a slave to it. I am whole. I give meaning to everything in my life. Nothing completes me. People and experiences can only complement me. Why? Because I give meaning to everything in my life. So he goes on to say on page 27, experience is personalized because we make it about us. Mm. And and we, we see it in other people. Why is that person making it about them? You know, you go to a funeral and all of a sudden it's not about the person in the casket. You know, somehow a person will get up and start talking about themselves. I've seen it happen. You know, but I'm in a funeral. You know, I, I attend a lot of funerals. I'm a minister. So either I'm officiating them or I'm going to them. And you'll see that people make it about them. People are going through challenges and people will make it about them. Why? Because that's what we do. Because we give meaning and relevance to everything. He goes on to say, this is no small matter when we consider how we relate to our life experiences is what drives our behavior. What I do, why I do it, and what make and what my life becomes have roots in what I believe is happening to me. I'm going to read that again. What I do, why I do it, and what my life becomes have roots in what I believe is happening to me. What I believe. He says, it is this invisible causal realm of consciousness that is the energy of belief we must learn to see and recognize as influencing our life experiences. Wow. Because of what I believe is happening to me, I'm actually causing it to express itself. So if I keep my attention on what I don't want, I'm actually giving power to what I don't want. And I'm actually asking the universe to show to ex- for me to experience more of what keeps my attention. Give you something to think about. He goes on to say, beliefs mediate our attention and awareness and therefore determine our viewing point. Not seeing the invisible at work in our lives and not understanding that the meanings we attribute to what is perceived affect our life experiences. Keep us from shifting our attention to new and healthier viewing points. This form of blindness creates a reactive orientation to life and diminishes our willingness to embrace life on its own terms. Mm. Something else to think about. All right, so we are coming up on our last break, so we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, 
with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have a caller on the line, uh, Sandy. Are you there? Yes, this is Sandy from Buffalo. How are you? I'm excellent about yourself. I am well, thank you. Loving this book. It 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 is really stretching me to places that I didn't know I could go. <laughs> but the, the question I oh it's great, it's great. Um what I'm having um some trouble with is the um the issue of belief and and the way that I'm reading this is that belief is so powerful that it can affect issues in your life. Yeah, or and create them. I don't get right. it. I, could you talk a little bit about the power of belief and what it does? Because that was sort of shocking to me that it had, you know, that kind of uh, power to to determine the kinds of things that are happening in your life. Well, again, when we start talking about uh, this is a universe that, are gov- that that's governed by spiritual law. Okay, then that just means that that which you uh, accept in consciousness um, is created in form. So consciousness is, you know, when it's all said and done, awareness of being, you know, you know, the totality of your ideas, your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, you know, et cetera. So a belief is basically what you accept is true. So what you accept is true is actually what you are impressing upon universal law. Now, everything we believe, we're not conscious of. We have conscious beliefs mm-hmm. and we have unconscious beliefs. All right. They're beliefs like I know, you know, that, uh, you know, I don't know how to make, you know, a cheesecake. I know mm-hmm. that. I'm very conscious of that. But there are beliefs that I'm unconscious of that are also driving my behavior. 
And see, this is why you have to do inner work because many times we don't investigate. Why do I believe that? You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, to, to use an example, uh, a, a person who will be in a situation like, uh, it could be a famous person like, you know, recently with a, with a Hulk Hogan that went through the situation with the racism and mm-hmm. on video or whatever. Uh, you know, he got on TV the other day and apologized and started talking about, you know, this, you know, the areas he was raised in Alabama and, and areas of Florida where people so freely used, you know, racial insults towards blacks. Sometimes you got to stop and investigate. Why do I believe that? So you don't end up falling in a situation where at a, un, at a moment where that comes up and comes out and it didn't get triggered, according to him. Until his daughter started dating a black black guy, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that n word, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I never used language that before, like that before. And then all of the people that were around him said, "Oh my goodness, he that's not consistent with the person I know." Even black wrestlers were like, I, "You know, this guy doesn't have a racist bone in his body." But he just took the right thing to trigger it. Yeah, yeah. What about illness? Because I I I would think that people I'm believe. Well, no, I, no, I was, I was going to say people aren't believing in illness, but they believe that it exists. Well, well, that that's a larger question. So I want you to – this is one of the things that always comes up in class. Well, I know I didn't think that. I'm not trying to think my broke and sick and unhappy and broken relationships. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I use this analogy. I said, has there ever been in your neighborhood or you know of a neighborhood that had once had a building, a home or something there, a gas station, whatever, and it was knocked over and it was just an empty paved lot? Have you ever seen one of those? Yes. Okay. Now, if the lot is not kept up, what you'll discover is, you come back a year or two later, that between the concrete, you'll start seeing weeds breaking through concrete. Uh, life is blowing thoughts and beliefs just like weed seeds of weeds and dandelions and other things onto the concrete that gets in little small crevices and they start to grow and break the concrete. Mm, living idea. life, just living, just showing up here. We were impressed by the, what, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore called the race consciousness. Joe Goldsmith called it a universal mortal belief system. Everybody had their different terms for it. Joe, Joseph Murphy, law of averages, and all type of people had the different type of terms. I like race consciousness. Not race as, as, as ethnicity, race as human race. That uh-huh. we come into a collective, a collective unconscious that has built in beliefs about what it means to be a human being. What it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man, what it means to be in this nation, what it means to have this money and not have this money or status. What does it mean? We, what does it mean far as health? What does it mean? We, we, we are born into it. It's part of the forgetfulness that for whatever reason, the game we decide to play, we show up and we don't remember who we are. But, but, so you don't have to be consciously thinking about it. You can be that lot that's just left unattended. And, and through just the mental atmosphere, you can be impressed. Obviously through media, TV, radio, 
social media now, internet, et cetera, conversations, culture, traditions, upbringing. We're conditioned to think a certain kind of way. You don't have to go do anything for that to happen. Life is happening on you. So, so if you're if, not functional, go ahead, excuse me. So if you're not conscious, are you saying if you're not conscious that life is happening on you? If you're not consciousness, conscious, life is happening on you and you don't know why stuff is popping up. If you are conscious, you know that it's, you still have to you still have to live life. He talked about that. I mentioned that earlier in the book when I started talking about uh, you're capable of authentic and principled action. Stuff is still happening. Okay, whether you, all right, but you get to choose how you authentically deal with it. Now, consciousness also creates form. So there are certain things that are unique to your experience because of the way you believe. What you accept is possible for you. That becomes your world. So I'm not saying you got to get all of this in one moment. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because I, I'm having a I'm having a strong feeling that you want the aha to happen now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What I'm saying is, do the work. Do the work. Okay. And don't be attached to the aha. Be attached to doing your inner work. Keep working with the material. You're reading the book, okay. listening to the podcast, doing your own other inner work, whatever that is. Continue to do the work. And it shifts. It shifts itself. You don't shift it. You get it? Got it. Okay. Okay. And, and I'm going to use one example, and I'm going to get off the phone uh, and just finish it, whatever I can finish. Do you remember when you learned how to ride a bike without the training wheels? Mm-hmm. Okay. One moment, you could not ride a bike without training wheels. All of your life of bike riding before that moment consisted of those training wheels were needed. And then you didn't. You discovered balance on a bike. And you never lost it. Is that true? That's true. That's you, true. Even, you probably could ride a bike, maybe not like you did when you were 10. But mm-hmm. I bet you the bottom dollar, if money was on the line, you could ride a bike. That's how it comes. That's good. You didn't make it happen. You couldn't say, I'm going to make sure on whatever the year is, on this date at 5 p.m., I'm going to be able to ride a bike without mm-hmm. training wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It happened. happened. Yeah. And revelations of God happen realizations of god happen you can't make them happen wish i could tell you that was different but it's not i got it so all right okay well thank you so much you're welcome god bless you too bye bye all right so uh on page 27 he talks about gaps in awareness and basically, gist of it is, when we don't know what's happening, uh, and we can't go in our memory to to try to fill the gaps in our awareness, we use our imagination to make stuff up. So if I'm not sure what's going on, I'll just make some stuff up in my own head. All right? And he says on page 28, he really wraps it up. He says, you will make the situation mean something that is relative to your own sense of well-being and worth. 
And he gives an example of this minister uh, who uh, had all type of issues going on because he thought his board was um, was uh, about to commit mutiny and discovered that really he was just functioning out of his own fear and insecurities. All right. So he says on page 31, if you are to live from your wholeness, you must first learn to see, to see how you are looking at your life. Then you must free yourself of having to interact with the images that arise from your conditioned mind. That's what I just talked about. You must free yourself of having to interact with the images that arise from your conditioned mind. Everybody's mind is conditioned to an extent. Some more than others. Spirituality in many ways is just, is just getting out of the conditioning. It's sort of like the movie The Matrix. That's why I love that movie so much. Because until he realized he was the one, he he couldn't function as the one. He was too conditioned to believe otherwise. So it didn't make a difference what he was capable of capable of. He couldn't see it for himself. That movie's beautiful. It's way, I, I love The Matrix. I bring it up in sermons and stuff all the time. All right. So I got a couple of minutes. Uh, so I'm going to jump over a couple of things to see. Uh, page 32, he says, do you avoid meeting life face to face? And he goes on to say, uh, you are a house divided against itself when you are caught between what moves you into action and what freezes you in the moment. Humanly, you are motivated to get your needs met, to feel safe and okay about yourself. Spiritually, you are moved by a transcendent purpose that is selfless and thereby motivated from on high. Your soul's intention is to connect, embrace, and serve the divine, regardless of how scary it feels. Mm. So your soul is pushing you one way into divine purpose and intent. And the ego is saying, no, that's scary. I'm freezing. I don't know what to do and how to handle that. So he says at the bottom of page 33, your soul moves you towards challenges because they stretch you in ways that separate you from your falsehoods and dependencies. What you discover is, and here's the key, that you are not your experiences. You are greater. I am not my, excuse me, I am not my experiences. I am greater than all my experiences. And he gives a lot of information on that you need to really read for yourself. On the bottom of page 34, he says, experiences are metaphors and mirrors of your belief system. And they see, they serve as feedback to what you are making your life mean. He goes on to say, they have no power in and of themselves, but become powerful when you fear them or make them seem to be against you. So what I'm going to talk about last is this on page 37, just in one minute. He says, we fail because we believe we don't have what it takes. At every turn, our well-being is being held hostage or liberated by what we make our experiences mean. He goes on to say, living in this illusion of lack also compels us to avoid conflict. When we don't feel okay about ourselves, when we feel inferior, when deep down inside we feel flawed, we are actually spiritually impoverished. We move away from challenges instead of embracing them. It is this sense of lack of not having that destroys us. This inadequacy directs our attention outward and draws us to an addictive, codependent, and driven lifestyle. Hear me. Addictive, codependent, and driven lifestyle. There's never enough time energy, money, resources, or creativity in the presence of the black hole of inner being. So 
play with and read what you need to read with this. And I want everybody to do the aware of questions on page 39 before you, before next Wednesday's podcast. Thank you and God bless you. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Things may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. 
join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.